Welcome to this week's play-by-play of the Hangtime Podcast. Damaris Lewis, Sports Illustrated model, is joining us here on the Hangtime Podcast. You you have great personality. You can hear it in your voice. Would you date an NBA player? I'm open to anything, but respect. Old school. Chivalry. Like, I listen to Sinatra in the morning. You need to accept that. (laughs) (laughs) So I hear you're single, then. (laughs) With your host. Seku Smith, Lang Whitaker, and Rick Fox. Our next guest should have been our first guest, Isaiah Thomas. How do you think you would play in today's NBA with the rules the way they are? Be honest. Uh, average <laughs> We will win a lot. <laughs> and it's, it's our main man, Roderick Turner from the Los Angeles Times. Hey, too, can I say this first? <laughs> you know you when can. When I was covering the Lakers, when Rick Fox played, I had hair. They wore me out. Now it's time for the tip-off. What we found, Lang Whitaker. Look who showed up. Rick Who's Fox, that? rolling you know? in for the Hang Time Podcast. Rick, where you been, my friend? We need to know your whereabouts the last few weeks, down to well, the very end of every day. Well, I had I had a uh, had a birthday, so sometimes you know when the birthday rolls around, things get planned by others around me, and I get pulled away to different parts of the world. Uh, in this case, they got pulled home to the Bahamas, uh, to Baker's Bay. Check it out. Beautiful, uh, beautiful community. Uh, and at that community, I got to run into Ray Lewis, along with Steve Shoddy and uh, Kevin Plank from Under Armour, the owner of Under Armour. They uh, let the all... name dropping begin. Yeah, right? let the name dropping begin. When, when, did, when, did this, <laughs> when did this podcast turn into a timeshare commercial? Well, <laughs> and so we, we uh, trust me, those three guys were not at a timeshare. <laughs> and, um, and uh, we got to hang out and talk a little preseason football with the defending world champion uh, Baltimore Ravens, which was kind of awesome. Uh, Ray uh, Ray starting his uh, broadcasting debut, and then then to top it off, Steve Bashotti threw his uh, championship ring in the marina amongst the sharks, and some kid dove for it because someone uh, dared him to do it. Uh, so yeah, it was pretty interesting. Uh, uh, birthday uh experience but then I, I left there and on the way back i ran into a gentleman that was the first witness for the whitey bulger trial which was pretty cool uh he wrote a book about it and uh, he was a former police officer up in uh up in massachusetts uh so he's not hiding from anybody he's actually working uh <laughs> down there in the bahamas and then uh and then i uh went to a justin bieber concert to top it off with my daughter so I've been, uh, been I've been uh, experiencing. I went to a basketball arena, <laughs> the, the Barclays Center. I went to a basketball arena, and I did for the first time experience what they've built there, which was really, really impressive. Um, I was impressed. Uh, thought about wow, if I was in the arena, would I have been looking forward to playing in this arena? And I would, I had to say yes. I, I could see that it would be really a nice place to to perform in. Uh, won't tell you how Justin Bieber's. Uh, holding up in his development as a young man. It's uh, definitely probably a little more challenging, but you can go online and you can see what he's up to beyond his music. Uh, I, I definitely would say that uh, the less my daughter hangs we out, should, the better. We should say this, that uh, we, we actually had a birthday party for you last week, Rick. You did? Seku and I did. And Let Charelle, it back. We, uh, you can download that, I believe, on the iTunes store. But uh, we... Uh, <laughs> We had a little party for you last week. We missed you, and uh, we hope you had a, a great birthday. 
Oh, man, thank you. You know how old I am now? 44. That's right, man. My favorite jersey number back in the day, 44 at Carolina, 44 <laughs> the Celtics. I uh, couldn't have 44 because some Jerry West took it in L.A. <laughs> so, but, yeah, man, 44, big number boy. Well, speaking of uh, Jerry West in L.A., how about the schedule comes out for the 2013-14 season? I can't think of a better way to crank it up on opening night. You got the Bulls visiting Miami with Derrick Rose, potentially in his very first game back after missing all of last season. Uh, that's a TNT game on Tuesday night, October 29th. The Orlando Magic and Indiana Pacers hook up that night. But the, the nightcap on the opening night this season is the Clippers at the Lakers. And I guess we're going to get the battle for L.A. out of the way early this year. Um did you get a chance to look at the schedule, guys, and kind of highlight some games that, that really stick out to you already? Lang, maybe something something opening night or beyond that really jumps out at you on the schedule? I thought Christmas Day looks pretty awesome. Did you guys see that there's like, what, five games already on the schedule? And, uh, I, I mean, it looks pretty uh, – I think the, there's a game here in Brooklyn, Chicago at the Nets, I believe, is one of those games. Uh, the Knicks at the Thunder, I think, is on that schedule. Um, I don't know. They, Chris, and then uh, it ends with the Clippers-Warriors, which could be a, a fun game, to up-and-down game at the end of the day when you're tired out. The NBA has done a pretty good job the last few years of sort of owning Christmas Day uh, with their with the games all day long. And it looks this year looks like no different to me. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to the season, man. I'm ready. Can we start? I spent all day. Can, do you watch? Do you watch all the games on Christmas Day? Like, yes. Yeah. How do y'all yeah, get, was, a, how do y'all get away? With that? Last year. I, was in, I was in LA last year for that doubleheader, so I didn't get a chance to watch them all, but I was at two of them, which was oh, great. How do y'all get away with that? I just Is have it on in the background. Oh, you have it on the background. Okay. Uh, uh, I'm looking forward to November 7th. It's early, but you know, I think you know who that is. That's the Clippers in the Heat, which is a pretty, pretty, you know, I think a pretty exciting game. But uh, night, the nightcap, the topper, the Lakers at the Houston Rockets. <laughs> <laughs> the Lakers at the Houston Rockets. I knew you're, it. And your 10-day will still be in effect at that point of the season. I might, so, Man, I might suit up for that one. <laughs> we'll have you out there. Definitely sp- suit up for that one. I spent all day yesterday with all the rookies uh, that are coming into the league. And, uh, you know, we were in the Knicks practice facility, which is a couple of courts. And uh, – as often happens when you have a bunch of guys hanging around with basketball players hanging around with, with not a lot going on, uh, a couple of dunk contests broke out and, and three-point contests and all sorts of crazy stuff. And it was just fun to see all, all those guys be excited. and They're all in uniform. It was just pretty neat to see them get going and, and get at it out there. Who had, who had, the, who had the, the, pre, the all-star potential uh, dunk contest uh, action I, going on? I blogged about it today on NBA.com, but the Tony Mitchell from the Pistons, I think, won it, won the, the impromptu dunk contest. The other funny thing that happened was uh, uh, Dennis Scott and I, 3D, and I were interviewing all these different guys, and uh, 3D was talking to Stephen Adams from the Thunder, and uh, I see Cody Zeller come walking up holding a trash can, and uh, and I was wondering what is he doing? He and he kind of started walking into the to the camera frame. And I and I was thinking, what is, what's he doing? And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, uh, Victor Oladipo runs in with a ball and windmills on Stephen Adams into the trash can, and 
and, and posterizes him on camera. And and, and Zeller and, and Aladipo walked around and, and uh, posterized four or five guys who didn't see it coming and uh, got it all on video. So we put that up on NBA.com this morning also. It was pretty funny. Uh-huh. Hey, uh, Lang, is that how you say his last name? I'm dead I know. I, I didn't know how to pronounce it. I thought it was Aladipo. I asked him yesterday, and he told me, and I, I don't remember, and I so I'm going with Aladipo. Aladipo. <laughs> Oladipo. Of, it's probably Oladipo. I think it's Oladipo. It's uh, the other one I had to ask was Kelly Olenek, because I pronounce it Olenek, and I, I think it's Olenek. That sounds like an arena. Yeah. I, the, <laughs> then the guy, let's, go down, let's go down to the Olenek. <laughs> the other guy was the, the guy that Bucks drafted, the Greek kid, uh, and I still can't pronounce his last name. Dennis and I had worked on that for about five minutes, and I, I still can't say it. G- Giannis, uh, I, I'm not even going to try. Yeah, let's just leave that one for uh, the translators. Well, we just, well we, we're just not going to try and pay you then. <laughs> got to try. You guys get paid? <laughs> <laughs> who, uh, who impressed you the most in terms of maybe being bigger and stronger looking than you thought he did? on TV in person or something. You know what I mean? Who who stood out to you in terms of just on the hoof? You thought, oh, wow, this is bigger than I thought he was. Besides me, Lang. Besides me. <laughs> besides the Ricker. Um, I'll tell you that Steven Adams is a big dude. And uh, uh, he he's thick, too. You know, he's not just a tall, thin guy. I noticed a lot of those guys were tall, but they were, they were skinny, you know, like, like most college kids are or most kids that young are. Uh, but Steven Adams was a big kind of wide body uh and i wonder when he gets into the to the system they play there in oklahoma city how uh how soon if at all he'll be able to have some sort of impact on what they're doing uh i also um just talking to those guys you know especially just kind of hanging out and talking to them you get to know them better than you do just seeing them on tv or in other interview situations and uh i was really impressed with a, with a, a lot of those guys just uh, uh your, your your guy trey burke seku um really interesting guy to talk to and just yeah have a chance to like just talk chat about off-court stuff and where they're going to live and you know how the moves going and all these different things um it was just interesting to hear some of those guys uh talk not on the camera but just kind of chat and just talk about what it's like and what things have been like for them shane larkin really impressed me a lot um i I didn't really know much about him but you know I, i knew uh who his dad was i knew he'd had a grown up sort of around that that in a professional environment but he he was just a really interesting fun guy to talk to and seems like a guy you'd like to have in the locker room another guy who i didn't really know much about but i really liked was uh isaiah cannon who the the rocket drafted he was another guy who was just fun to talk to and and a a, a kind of a neat guy to to have around and i think guys like that other guys even if they're not going to play a lot those are the types you want in the locker room uh those are the types of guys you want who you know are going to be good teammates and so i i found a couple of those guys who i liked well, you know did what? You mention, did he mention that? Did you mention the Trey Burke at all? How much you had hated on him uh, during some of the? <laughs> I, I actually was gonna try to set it up. I didn't have time. I wanted to set up a question on camera where I was gonna set him up beforehand and say, "Trey, who's your least favorite writer on NBA.com?" and get him to go off on you. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we didn't have time to make that happen. Yeah, I'm glad you didn't get that done. You. Well, I'm it. hoping. I'm hoping for all your new friends. That you, named, that, you, that you name dropped. I hope oh. they actually. I hope they actually, you know, make a name for themselves because it is a rookie season, and I'm sure they're excited. But it's probably going to be, 
you know, a lot of transition. I know you were at the rookie transition program, but a lot of transition going on for them. And you mentioned Shane Larkin. He, he broke his ankle in the in the summer That's league. True. How's he? How did he look? Where's what's his progress looking like? He still had a boot on. Still uh, had. He was carrying a carrying his uh, shoe around. There's a couple of guys who still were in the the boot. Alex Lynn still had a, like a walking cast on. A couple of those guys did. Was Bennett doing any dunking? Uh, I saw him doing some dribbling and running around. I did not see him dunk. Uh, I, and it's funny here for Rick Fox to call me a name dropper <laughs> after the way the, after the way this podcast began. But you know, <laughs> hello Kettle, this is Rick Fox. You're black. <laughs> I think both of you are in the name dropper Hall of Fame by now. I don't think there's any questions about that. Just doing uh, my job, sir. Exactly. I, what did you think in terms of – I've never been to the rookie transition. I, this was the first time I'd been. I, yeah, New what York did you City, think about never... the way it's presented and, and the way they handle that thing? I've heard lots of different stories about it. I've obviously never seen it. I'm just curious what your impressions were about, you know, in terms of are these guys really – Digging in and listening to the message, it looked like they're kind of half paying attention. I mean, well, and is it is it the right tone? I didn't. T- today is when all that stuff's happening. And I didn't go. Schumann's there today. John Schumann, our colleague, is there okay. today uh, for the seminars. That's today and tomorrow. So I didn't. I wasn't there for like um, all the classes and stuff. But I got a copy of the schedule. Uh-huh. They have those guys going from like eight o'clock till eight o'clock every day, um, and they're in a hotel that's like kind of far out. It's not really near anything. So there's not really a chance, I don't think, to be distracted by anything. You know, you're you're there, and you're going to listen to what all this, all these different things they talk about. Uh, it was kind of one person pointed out that the interesting thing about yesterday was there's no agents and there's no PR people. It's just players. And, you know, there's there's no team people there. There's people there from the league, obviously, but they're just all there and they're all willing to do all these different things. Um, and there's a hundred things for them to do. There's different, you know, setups and camera shots and they have to fill out a survey and they have to do this and they have to shoot their basketball card and they have to pose for these other things. And so they're all there and they're just kind of bouncing around from place to place and they're having fun. There was a DJ, um, DJ Neil Armstrong, who, um, has been around for a while. He used to play with Jay-Z. He was there in the corner playing music all day long. And, uh, it was fun. I had a, I had a really good time. I was we got there about seven in the morning and by the time I left about three, I, I was, I was beaten. I didn't even have to go through all the things they did. So. Wow. Rick, how has that changed since you went through the rookie transition? I mean, did y'all do this sort, sort of a similar circuit of getting all this stuff done on one day, the seminars the next? I mean, how much has it advanced over the years you think? Well, I haven't seen it in a while. It sounds pretty, pretty advanced in the area of, all of the other other surrounding ancillary maybe uh, tidbits that you need to get done. I, mean, I think the league may use it as a, with a dual purpose of capturing photos, right. like you said, and, and material on these guys in their jerseys uh, to promote them and to promote the game in their rookie season. Uh, we just came for three days, and we actually just listened to to people talk about financial uh, matters, uh, you know, right. uh, your posses and how to stay away from trouble, gambling, betting, drugs, everything that I'm sure they're still doing. Uh, they had sketches and skits and interactive situations. We did take surveys. I do recall everything you're saying. Uh, I just I just re- don't remember any of the extra media. And it was a very private, shut, closed uh, right. event. We did it, but now it looks, looks to be pretty interactive and open uh, to some degree, too. Yeah, I, I, that kind of stuff is all going to happen today and tomorrow. And I know 
Uh, I think Dennis Scott was going to be there today also, and, and he talked about how he remembered how when you go to the rookie transition thing after the first, you know, maybe as soon as you get in the NBA, they, they, they start telling you, all right, change your number. Uh, people are gonna, <laughs> you're going to start hearing from people that are in your family that you've never heard from before. All of a sudden, you got more cousins than you've ever known you had. I tried uh, to call. I tried to call Anthony Bennett. He won't. He won't return my call. <laughs> messed up. Uncle Rick. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I think that's the kind of thing like you're talking about. That that stuff happens today and tomorrow. Um, yeah. And it, it'd probably be really interesting to talk to some to one of these rookies uh, in the next week or two. Maybe we can get one on the podcast to talk about what that whole thing was like for them. Yeah, I'm curious. I, I think it's it's one of those things you know that I've always been interested in just how serious some guys take it and how some other guys may blow it off. Cause you, you notice some of those attitudes uh, I know in uh summer league and, you know, when you're in Vegas or Orlando and you're watching some of these guys and the way they approach it, some are all business right away. Some right. other guys look like they're still kind of on that emotional high from the draft and finally, you know, reaching this goal. And, and it's like, how soon do you, you buckle down and lock in? And Rick, we've talked about it before on the show here, you know, how long it takes you to really get a grip and get your feet on the ground in the NBA and kind of understand where you fit and what kind of work it's going to take. I'm, I think a, a guy like you mentioned, Alex Lynn and Anthony Bennett, man, these guys didn't even have summer league to get themselves established on the court. I can't imagine what kind of whirlwind training camp is going to be for these guys who haven't had a chance to really play yet. Yeah, that that's you don't want to be in that situation uh, because it's a fast and steep learning curve when you're when you're talking about getting up to speed. You know, when coaches come in into training camp, they they're trying to implement and execute and find out rather quickly uh, who's gonna who's gonna play together. They don't have that time to to necessarily you know train or or or, or single out and they'll do their best because you know some of these guys are high picks, mm-hmm. but you know, the learning curve in a summer league is immense when you're talking about a month of actually just getting the speed of the game, the, the, the physicality of it, even if it's amongst your peers, just the way, you know, the way the game in itself will move for you. And it took me, it took me, you know, a good, you know, couple months into the NBA season to feel comfortable. So uh, I, I just think if you're going to be relying upon guys like Anthony Bennett when he hits Cleveland, uh, you know, Shane Larkin, uh, are in Dallas, individuals who who are really anticipated to actually contribute are gonna gonna have that curve, learning curve shortened, and so good luck to them. Yeah, right. I, I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of you know of unknown out there with this rookie class, especially. But I'm looking over to you know based on the draft, free agency, and everything else, you know, and and looking at who did what. There are a lot of rosters to me that have some unknown on them, you know, in terms of the the depth and, and who's the second unit and, and what kind of production you're going to get out of. You know, I look at the Clippers and some other teams. I know that I know the names on their roster. But then you look around some of these other teams, man, there's a lot of youngsters, a lot of a lot of guys who haven't proven themselves yet in this league that are going to be a part of high profile teams. Um, yeah. You know, one of one of those teams, of course, is the Brooklyn Nets. Um, you know, who they got what a hundred million dollars starting five, and then, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know what I mean? And then the and then the supporting cast is kind of like, uh, you know, Mason Plumleys and some of these other guys, Tyshawn Taylor, some of these younger guys that you're just not sure what they're going to be all about. And 
that's a good excuse for us to talk Brooklyn Nets on the show here today. And um, our first guest and uh, is a guy who's going to be up close and personal with that Nets team day in and day out all year, Chris Carino from uh, WFAN. And uh, let's let's take a listen to what his thoughts are on the Brooklyn Nets and what they have in store this season. Chris, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, guys. Good to talk to you. Appreciate it. We listen. Everybody knows what what Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce bring to a situation in terms of leadership and you know pedigree and, and, and accomplishments. But what do you think they have left in the tank in terms of just sheer physical prowess and what they can do on a night to night basis in the NBA? Well, that's a good question because I think that uh, that's something that that Doc Rivers had to work with last year, knowing when to to play Kevin and I, I think Kevin more than Paul. I, I think I think Paul may have a little more in the tank physically than Kevin. Remember, Kevin's been in the league a long time. You know, he came right out of high school. Uh he's put a lot of miles in those tires and uh I think you've really got to be careful with that because you know this is a team when you look at it guys, they're built for the postseason. I mean they're built to win in the playoffs. They've just got to make sure that they get there in one piece. I think the Spurs are the example you use where Greg Popovich did a brilliant job this year making sure that his older players were fresh and they made that deep run into the postseason. He learned his lesson from the year before when they had a great regular season and kind of wore down to the playoffs. So, you know, Jason Kidd's a first-year head coach, but he's got got—he's—he's uh, got a tough job ahead of him right now to make sure that this team yeah, listen, they could finish fourth or fifth in the East. I don't think it really matters as far as what their their ability to make a run in the postseason is. So their ability to keep Garnett and Pierce fresh for the playoffs, I think, is a, is a huge factor coming into this. Well, Chris, you kind of hit on it, and, and the next thing I wanted to ask you about was keeping those guys fresh and getting to the postseason. It kind of is at the feet of Jason Kidd right now. And as a first-time head coach, has he given – any sort of indication or, or talked about what kind of system they're going to run next year or what his philosophy is going to be? Well, there, you know, as far as his system and his philosophy, I think there's, there's some mixed messages. I mean, Jason Kidd said when he took the job that he wanted to push the tempo a little bit, that he wanted to get the ball up and down the floor a little quickly. And that was what he did when he was a player. Uh, and then they had Garnett and Pierce, it's not exactly going to be Loyola Marymount out there, you know, running up and down the floor. I mean, it's a team that's going to look to exploit matchups in the half court. I think you'll you'll kind of see two net teams. I mean, I think you'll see uh, a team that will come off the bench with guys like Sean Livingston and Terry and Kirilenko and Black, and they'll look to push the pace a little bit. And I think you'll have a starting unit with, you know, isolation players like Joe Johnson and Pierce and, and Lopez that will that will uh, will look to exploit matchups in the half court. So I think it's going to be sort of a fluid uh, philosophy out there. The one thing I do know that Jason said is in terms of his philosophy when it comes to handling Garnett and Pierce. Going back to our first question is, you know, he's looking to play these guys twenty some odd minutes. He's not looking to put major minutes on these guys. He may have to hide their uniform every once in a while. You know, he may have to he may have to just forget to bring KG's uniform with him on a road trip to keep them out of the lineup because, you know, it's easier said than done to tell those guys to take a break. Well, Chris, if, if he keeps those guys out of the lineup to preserve them for the playoffs, uh, other guys are going to have to play. And I, I'm just curious to know what the sales pitch was 
in regards to Blatch and Andrew Karolinko, when you have two guys taking less money, they probably could have mm-hmm. taken somewhere else to stay. Uh, Andrew, uh, ten million to what is it one one and a half million or something like that? What, what what's the sales there? Because it's not they're not Brooklyn's not coming off a defending championship like the Heat. Yeah, well, remember, Rick, Andre is still getting the bulk of his salary from the Washington Wizards because he was amnestied. So would the Nets pay him as an offset? So the only real way Andre Blatcher is going to make a substantial amount more somewhere else is if someone gave him more than what Washington was paying him this year, which was, I think, about $9 million. So he's still getting paid. It's just a matter of, what the Nets' contribution was. And I think Andre, more than that, I think Andre felt that the Nets gave him an opportunity last year that no one else really believed in him, that the Nets believed in him and gave him a shot. The Nets stood behind him with, you know, some difficult times he had last year. There was an incident in Philadelphia off the court, which turned out that he was all cleared from that. But the Nets always had his back, and I think he – is observing their loyalty right now by coming back and saying, you know, I know there's Brooke Lopez in front of me. I know I could probably play more minutes somewhere else, but I'm going to be loyal to the team that was loyal to me, and I applaud him for that. Uh, As far as Kirilenko is concerned, I think he took a chance in opting out of his Timberwolves deal, thinking there was a more lucrative contract out there. And I think for whatever reason, that lucrative contract wasn't there for him. And then I think when he looked at all his situations, his options, yes, he probably could have made a little more in some other situations. But he knew he could come to Brooklyn, play for a Russian owner, which I think is very important to him. I know he has a relationship with Mikhail Prokhorov going back to their days in Russia years ago. And he sees an opportunity to win, which is something that Andre Karolenko hasn't done. So, you know, it's been a long time. Well, I, I, let, me, let me rephrase that. It's been never since the net franchise has ever had players come for less money. And it's it's showing up now because guys are, are lining up to try and win a championship. So it's pretty exciting for net fans in the New York area. Well, I guess they just have to be named Andre, right? Yeah. <laughs> some form of Andre. Um, Chris... Yeah, some, some form, some derivative of Andre, Andre, and, uh, and, and you get a, you'll take less money. Chris, I, I'm curious about Joe Johnson and – where he fits in this mix, you know, he, he looked like a guy who was, you know, struggling at times with his role on that team, playing off, you know, Darren Williams and trying to figure out when to, when to be aggressive, when to lay back. I mean, how does he fit into this mix now that you have Paul Pierce? You know, I, you know I, I think he did struggle. I think he did struggle early, guys, with – with their relationship with Darren and just knowing his role, they want to establish Brooke early and Joe would sort of, you know, it is Joe is, he's, you know, he's Arkansas Joe. He's just a laid back guy, you know, and he doesn't assert himself, uh, not, not in terms of that he's not an aggressive player, but, you know, he says, all right, we got to get Brooke going. We got to get Darren going. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to demand the ball here. And, you would see it late in games, though, when the, he was the one guy that, that they wanted to get the ball to and he wasn't afraid to take the big shot. He was so clutch last year in big situations down the stretch. The, the other area, I thought Joe thrived a bit last year when he would play with the second unit players. He would stay on the floor when they made the first substitution. 
so that when the second unit guys are on the floor, he became then the scorer. And when you're on the floor with reserves, now you know you don't have to defer to anybody else. And I think you might see some of that this year. I mean, if, if, they, if they go back and they look at what happened last year, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if you see some situations where when Pierce comes out, Pierce, Garnett come out of the game, maybe Brooke comes out of the game, but they keep Joe Johnson on the floor. And then he knows when he looks around, hey, I'm the scorer here on the floor now. And, I mean, Rick, you, you would know. I mean, if, you know, some players, they just have a scorer's mentality. But when, when there's no other options, that's when they know they've got to go and be aggressive. And maybe sometimes a guy that's so laid back like Joe, when there's other options, he doesn't assert himself as much as he should. So I, I think he might play with more of the guys who aren't real scoring threats. That would be my guess. Chris, I, my question is, you know, you've been with the franchise for a while. You were there the last couple of years in New Jersey when everyone knew the Brooklyn move was going to happen. Um, yeah. Then this first season in Brooklyn, and, and the team's sort of been trying to re-identify as, as the Brooklyn Nets and find this new identity, become a contender. How, how do you feel like that's going, and does this trade and, and these signings push them to that next level of, of becoming what uh, Mikhail Prokhorov wants this franchise to be? You know, there were a lot of people who sort of raised their eyebrow, rolled their eyes when Mikhail Prokhorov took over and said, we're going to win a championship in five years. And I think what what he saw is what all the other the visionaries around the team that had decided to move the team to Brooklyn, that worked so hard to get it done, to get that building done, and then to bring the team there. And then the first the the first important step was signing Darren Williams. I think that showed everyone that, hey, this is a team that is committed to winning a championship and they're gonna they're gonna spend the money and the free agents are gonna stay and then they make the deal for Joe Johnson and they go over the salary cap and everyone says, Oh wow, this team's this was not a team that was just using this you know, this is not the Miami Marlins trying to buy all these players to get an arena done and then and then go back to cutting costs. This is a right. team that was going to be committed to winning a championship. And then suddenly you got, you know, the original deal was going to be Paul Pierce for Humphreys and I think a pick. And then the whole Garnett situation came in front. Billy King saying, what about KG? And then this all, now you've got this super team created. This team is going to pay $80 million with taxes this year because they're over the, the cap with the CBA. And, and this is an ownership group now that says, all right, that's the price of winning a championship. And suddenly everyone that was a diehard Nets fan is like, hallelujah. I mean, we finally have an ownership group right. whose only concern, whose number one priority is winning a championship. So it energized the fan base. And you have people who maybe just kind of jumped on the bandwagon because it was Brooklyn, it was cool last year, and you got millions of people in Brooklyn. And maybe people that were on the fence about what their loyalties were to the Knicks or the Nets. Now they're like, wait a minute, this is not the old Net franchise. This is a new day. This is a, this is a team that now plays in one of the, the, the best arenas in the country. Uh, I think it, it has the highest revenue of any arena in the country this year. I mean, I just went and saw Beyonce the other night, and you, you could go see the VMAs this month, and, and every big act is coming through there, and it's making downtown Brooklyn hip and cool, and, you know, we know what the, the, the apparel is done and all that. So 
it's it's a completely new world, and I think that the Nets are a team that are going to look. Just look. I mean, TNT's putting them on eight times this year. They haven't been on TNT eight times in the, I think the last decade. So <laughs> it's a, it's a new world, and I, and I think everyone is excited. It's got the fans excited in the metropolitan area, and uh, I know it's made my job a lot uh, a lot more exciting, and I'm looking forward to it. Well, Chris, you spoke about uh, the building and getting it done and the excitement and electricity. I got to experience some of that the other night. I went over to the Brooklyn, uh, the Barclays Center, and uh, you're right. I mean, it is the is in the heart of Brooklyn, and it is a, a, a gathering point. Uh, I went yeah. to see – you went to see Beyonce. I went to see Justin Bieber. Go figure. <laughs> Um, now what but, is that? What is that? I went to go see Beyonce. And you went to go see Bieber. Well, you you may not have a thirteen year old daughter, but I, I took it. I took oh, that's true. Yeah, that's true. I, I, to, meet, to meet Mr. Bieber. I think uh, it's the pretty dudes got to hang out together. Yeah, there, there you go. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but you know, it is. You know, it is the second year of this this arena coming up here now, and there's a lot of electricity around the start of this season. You mentioned eight eight times on TNT, uh, but. What I have to think of uh, between the Nets, you know, Knicks rivalry, who who do the Nets look to? Is it the Heat? Is it the, you know who who are they looking to as the team you think they have to supplant? Well, I I think you know if you look at who are the team they have to supplant, I think they know it's the Heat, and they know Chicago is going to be better, and and with Derrick Rose coming back, and they know the the problems Indiana can cause. When it comes to any kind of rivalry, I think in this area. The Nets sort of look at the Knicks more of a rivalry. I think the fans and the organization do probably more than the Knicks do. You know, the Knicks may look at the Heat or the Celtics more, whereas the Nets kind of look at the Knicks more because that's where they're trying to supplant the Knicks in this area. And listen, the Knicks fans go back generations, so it's you're never going to supplant it. I think that what the Nets are hoping is they can be the the Mets to the Yankees, you know, the Jets to the Giants kind of thing. But as far as on the court, I think they know it's the Heat. And I, and I think, you know, Garnett and Pierce's history against Miami and the difficulties they've given LeBron and given the Heat, I think, play into all of this. And, uh, and I also think, you know, you, you look at the amazing thing, just to touch on, on, on a lot of things we've been talking about that I haven't talked about, was that this is a net team. And going back to the way this team is being built and, and ownership, when they had their season end last year against Chicago in Game 7, I mean, that was a miserable loss at home, Game 7, against a depleted, injury-riddled Chicago Bulls team. The Bulls had more heart than the Nets. They bullied the Nets, pun intended there. They, they, the Nets proved to be a team that was just not mentally strong. And they had a couple of holes in their starting lineup. They also were capped out, and everyone said, "Well, there's no, there's no real substantial way Billy King can improve this team. He's just going to have to hope that a new coach and a new attitude will change things." But suddenly, they were able, because of the willingness of ownership, to go over the cap and everything. You know, they were able to make this deal where they they get a wing scorer that they needed who can shoot from the outside of Paul Pierce. They get a four who can play both ends of the floor in Kevin Garnett, and that mental toughness that they lack, that leadership in the locker room that they lack, they get that in the deal as well. And then you add Jason Kidd and what he can bring to the table. It's amazing that they were able to accomplish what they accomplished. And I think 
they have done it to win a championship. They didn't do it to say, all right, we're gonna, we need to beat the Knicks. No, they, they want to win a championship. And I think when you look at the other teams around the league, the, the only way they can do it is the way they're going about it. It's, and it's, it's a testament to what ownership has been able to do. Chris Carino from WFAN is joining us now, the Brooklyn Nets radio announcer. Chris, who's who's the ultimate pressure on in Brooklyn this year? Is it is it Billy King? Is it Jason Kidd? Is it Darren Williams? Is it Pearson Garnett? I mean, if, if this thing doesn't play out the way everybody hopes, who's the fall guy? Who's who's the person that takes the heat? No, huh, no you know, I, I I think a lot of it would. I don't I don't know if there's so much pressure on any one person coming into the season. I think there's sort of equal amounts of pressure on everybody. I think it's if it doesn't work, what are going to be the reasons why it doesn't work? You know, are they are, are they completely disorganized? Well, then it might go to the coach. Uh, it, it, do the, does, does the personnel just not gel? And maybe the pressure goes to Billy King. I, I don't know. I, I don't. I think Darren is probably a good guy to Darren Williams because, you know, he's been here. He he went through what he went through in Utah. Was not able to really finish what he started in Utah. Came to the Nets with a lot of expectations last year. Even though they won 49 games, he had a he had a rough first half of the season. So I think there was a a, a little bit of yeah, a little pressure on him to to be better than what he was. Uh, I think Darren's probably the key guy because he's been here the longest. You know, Billy King, everyone is praising him now, so I don't know I don't know how it could all go so wrong with this unit that that they wouldn't have some modicum of success that he can, you know, be be sort of uh, immune to any criticism of this roster because I don't know if you could find anybody who would criticize this roster right now. Um especially what he was able to do with what he was working with coming into the to the off season, So it's a good question. I, I just think it'll, it, you'll have to see the way it plays out to see who the pressure. But I, I would think that Darren's probably the best choice of everyone to say the pressure's on him to perform because I think he's just been here the longest. There's a lot of expectations on Darren. He's the younger guy. Uh, he's the maybe the guy who hasn't shown – all of what people have expected in him in his career, that they still have sort of a of a ceiling for him. Uh, I think a guy like Brooke Lopez is a little under the radar, so the pressure really isn't on him. But I think Brooke needs to come back from his injury and have a good year. I still think he's a he's a guy that is the old dinosaur, the, the, the big center who can score and post up. And he needs to be more assertive. He wilted a little bit down the stretch in some key playoff games this year. I think he needs to establish himself as a real hub offensively, continue the improvement defensively. But he kind of flies under the radar. He's a real likable kid. So I don't know if there's a lot of pressure on him, but I would put some pressure on him to see where he is. So long, long-winded answer to your question. Uh, that's kind of the way I see it playing out. Chris, uh we know you got to run, and we appreciate you hanging out with us today. One last thing before you go. We, we've talked about the changes in the Nets uh, on the court and on the sideline. There's also been a little bit of a change in the ownership with Jay-Z moving into sports agency. I'm just curious, what was it like hanging out with Jay-Z the last couple of years? <laughs> You'd have to ask Rick. I, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not in those circles. Yeah, uh, but Jay and I, I went I, to the you know, Justin I think Bieber concert. His, his mark was me. 
So <laughs> I, I think he did have an influence. He influenced the design of the uniforms and the style. Uh, I think he brought a, a certain uh, mark marquee to the to what's going on here. And you know, Beyonce walked on the stage at the end of her concert that night, and all her dancers had the net Brooklyn Nets foam fingers on. So uh, <laughs> you know, there's still that impact and that imprint. And uh, even though he's not around as an owner, he still said he's keeping his seat and he'll be a fan. So. He's still Brooklyn through and through. <laughs> cool. That's what I'm talking about. Chris Carino from WFAN joining us here on the Hangtime Podcast. Hey, good luck this season, man. Hopefully we'll talk to you again soon. All right, guys. Anytime. It was good hanging out with you guys. Thanks, Chris. Yes, sir. Guys, there you have it from Chris Carino from WFAN, the Brooklyn Nets radio announcer, giving us his insights on that team and what they're in store for this year. I, I have to believe in my heart of hearts that the competitive nature – of KG and Paul Pierce and Darren Williams and even Jason Kidd, Joe Johnson, all those guys. This team has to make a deep playoff run in order to justify all that's going on the last couple of years. Am I mean or am I wrong? Do you do you think they get a cushion? They get a year or two to get this thing right. But I, at their ages, they gotta they gotta do this now. You think this season? They have to. They don't have I mean that 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 the biological clock on the Brooklyn Nets is it ain't it's it, it's like going off like Big Ben. I mean, it's, they got to do this yesterday. <laughs> I don't I don't see it. I don't see it. I think it's attractive. <laughs> I, I, it's attractive. It's entertaining. Um, I'm I'm glad to see Paul Pierce and KG still together. Uh, I think they'll have a lot to prove uh, as it, you know, especially as it pertains to the Atlantic Division. Uh, really button heads with the Celtics, and uh, there's a lot of possibility there. I just anytime you load teams up with the, these this amount of superstars or former superstars, or you know, the, and it's not an All Star weekend, I just don't I don't see it <laughs> lasting beyond uh, you know a certain period of time. Uh, you talk about a long run into the into the playoffs, it, it, that could potentially happen, but it better be due to the fact that. Jason Kidd, as you mentioned, manages the, the minutes and the time, playing time in the regular season for some of these guys to the point where they have them right for the right 30 games because if he at any, at any point burns these guys out uh, trying to chase or either hold on to a number one seed in the East or chase a fourth seed, which I think would probably be more realistic, home court in the first round, uh, you stand to have some really tired legs uh, going down the going down the wire because Joe Johnson isn't young anymore. Darren right. Williams is not young anymore. They're in their prime, but they're not young. Uh, uh, Brooke Lopez is pretty fragile. Uh, KG and Paul Pierce, pretty much old. And so you know, I I I just don't think that you know you you when you look at these these teams on paper, you start to go, oh yeah, this is going to be an amazing season. Look, in two thousand and four, we were supposed to win eighty two games. Or maybe eighty one out of eighty two. Uh, we had we had Gary Payton, Carl Malone, Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe Bryant. I mean, we were stacked, and it was disastrous. Look at this past year. They had Dwight Howard, Kobe Bryant, Paul Gasol, Steve Nash. Disastrous. These these situations, I've yet to see them work out. You look at uh, LeBron James, Chris Bosh, uh, uh, Dwayne Wade. Uh, in that first season when they all got together. That's not even four of them. That's three guys. And they struggled. So, you know, if the 
Brooklyn Nets break history and prove us wrong or prove me wrong because you guys aren't on this bandwagon. I won't throw you guys in on this with me. But if they <laughs> if they prove history wrong or if they don't by not going as far as everyone thinks they could, where they stand the next year or two? You know, yeah. I mean, they're going to a year a year older. So I right. think it's a, I think it's attractive. I think it's going to be exciting to watch those eight games on TNT. Uh, you know, great for television. Uh, matchups. I just don't know what the eight games, if they're going to get eight games on TNT uh, in the playoffs. Lang, <laughs> I, I got to tell you what, what Rick determines and, in, in you know, and designates as disastrous will be Shangri-La for a lot of people. That 2014 <laughs> he's talking about, they lost in the finals. <laughs> <You know? laughs> the, the, the Heat, that first year they get it, they lost in the finals. So that well, tells you, a dude I, with rings... It's either all or nothing for a dude with rings. You either went all or you didn't do nothing. He's got high standards. We can't hold that against him. <laughs> well, thank you. You're right. It's hard for me to remember the the that championship. I mean, that lack of a championship and the that fact was that we did we did make it to the NBA Finals because the regular season was just the most difficult probably, regular yeah. season you could probably imagine. And then and then when anytime you lose a championship, you can't remember it for anything less than just a. A waste of two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean I hear you. I hear you. And listen, nine of the nine of the Nets' top eleven are like thirty and older. So there's no doubt that age. You know, Reggie Evans is thirty three. KG's thirty seven. Joe Johnson and, and Karolenko are thirty two. Pierce is thirty five. I mean, it, it, the, and the list goes on. Jet, Jet Terry's thirty five. D Will is twenty nine. Brooke Lopez is the only young guy, you know, at 25 in their in their core group that you really look at and go, all right, we got to rely on this dude to be a big-time player. Andre Black's 26. But, I mean, it is, it is a Silver Foxes club by NBA standards when you talk about this many guys over the age of 30 on that Nets roster. It's one reason why, and I've been taking a lot of mess for it, I don't, I'm not ranking them as one of my top three teams in the East. I think – I think – the Heat, obviously, Indiana, Chicago are the top three to me based on what I've seen of them in the past and what I what I project for them this year. And I have the Nets and Knicks kind of fighting it out for that fourth spot. Where do uh, you put the Bulls? They're my top three. I, oh, I, think okay. it's, I think it's Miami, Indiana, Chicago in that order right now going into the season in the East. Okay. I agree. I buy that. I got I, I, over under on, on, on total wins in the regular season for the Nets team. I'm going to put it at 52. That's a good I'm, number. I would probably take the under. Yeah, I think I, I think I'd go with you too. But I think they're I I think they're a postseason team, not a regular season team. I I don't I don't know if if they're a team that's going to try to win right now. Having a coach who's never coached before to me is it's a little bit of a question mark there, and I, I don't know that they're going to be a team that's going to have that's going to be as good and. Uh, October as they will be in in May or whenever they're in the playoffs April uh, because I think they're gonna it's gonna take them some time to figure things out to figure out a rotation to figure out how to rest guys like you're talking about uh, I think they're a team that as the season goes along they're gonna be a lot better I think they're a team that has to be a lot better yeah. as the season goes along because they can't start out they can't start out in a big hole to me in the East and be down there in the six seven range and then have to exert all the energy it's going to take to move into that top four and still have enough left in the postseason. I mean, they'd have to eat 
three bowls of Wheaties a morning. You know what I mean? To try and get, you know, you can't replace the, the, the energy and stamina of a, of a 27, 26 year old KG right. with a, you know, with a 37 year old KG. And I love KG's game. I love his intensity and oh. all the stuff he brings, but we all, we've all seen it the last few years. He doesn't have the, the energy to play at the high level night after night the way he did early in his career. It's just a fact. Father Time doesn't play. Maybe we should call the Nets. Then we should call them 30-something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, the one thing I didn't really nail Chris Carino down about that I, that I wanted to ask him about and forgot is what, you know, I remember the association last year and how that played out on NBA oh, TV. Yeah. And just, the 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 vibe like where it went at the beginning of the season the fans were thinking we got a chance to win this thing and by the end it seemed like reality had set in like we you know the excitement and all that stuff that came along with moving into the new building and being in Brooklyn was kind of dulled by the fact that hey this isn't a championship team you know and I'm wondering if when does that feeling set in with this group if they're not having a monster season because KG and Paul Pierce, their first year together in Boston, everybody remembers. They, I mean, they basically ran the table. They won yeah. 66 games, were the best team in the league all year, got the you know the daylight scared out of them in the first round of the playoffs by the Hawks, and then basically rolled through the rest of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Right. That might not be, you know, they're not going to have that kind of season in Brooklyn. So how do you manage those expectations that are inevitably going to be there with a team that, that isn't built, like you said, for the regular season. But they, they, those expectations are there because they've put them there. Their owner put them there yeah. <laughs> publicly. He came out yeah. and said, you know, he's been saying it since he bought the team. Those expectations are there. They, and I think the guy, I mean, they know, they have to know that. The players know that. The coaches, Jason Kidd, they have to know that these are the expectations and they've got to do what they can to meet those expectations right this second. I don't, huh. th- can they do that? I don't, I don't know, but, but they're there. They're definitely there. I'm rooting for him. I mean, you, you put a group of old guys together, man. I'm rooting for him. <laughs> Says the 44-year-old elder right. statesman of the Hang Time podcast. I, yeah. want, I want them to stay healthy first and foremost, and then I want to see them play play the game the way it's supposed to be played in the playoffs. And outthink young, young, uh, younger teams and younger players. That's what that's what I like watching. <laughs> Well, yeah. I, would, I would say that expectations aren't worth the uh, the font they're written in. And you can ask Dan Gilbert in Cleveland. You know, he is the guy that said they were going to win a title in Cleveland before LeBron would win one in Miami, and LeBron's up 2-0. So I I just think they're in a they're in a very precarious position right now in Brooklyn because you don't have the luxury of looking down the road and saying, you know, we got all this stacked up for the future. I mean, you have this stacked up for right now. Yeah, and in two yeah. years, they could be back to the drawing board. And that's to me as a fan. If that was my team, that would make me nervous as hell. But wouldn't you rather be in the situation they're in now? If you're a fan, I mean, wouldn't you rather at least Absolutely. have a shot? Yeah, Absolutely. they at least have a chance at it. It's going to be interesting. Who knows what happens? But at least they're in. We're having that conversation about them right now, which is more than you can say for half yeah. teams in the Eastern Conference. So yeah, uh, that's true. You're right. Uh, I mean. I just I would just need a bottle of uh, Pepsi or you know some <laughs> you know, to calm the stomach next to me because I'm serious. Think about this: they went out last year in a game seven on their home floor against a Bulls team that was without several of its top players. 
you, you can't you can't have a playoff flame out like that with this group. It's not you know, right. That I don't become, think they will. I don't think they'll have that sort of flame out with this group. Right, right. They I mean, might lose, but I don't. I don't think it would be like that with this group. Yeah. Uh, while we, while we've been recording this podcast, I should point out I just got an email um, from a buddy of mine here in New York who works at a creative agency, and he said, uh, "Hey Lang, by the way, your boy Rick Fox is tearing it up on the Glades this season on A and E." And I responded, "We're taping a podcast right now. I will pass the word along." And he said, "Nice. Can you can you please get him to say?" Hey, Dr. Don, it's Darius Locke. I need a cortisone shot. Call me back. <laughs> That's hilarious. Glades, baby. The Glades, A&E. Give nominated, Rick. Well, so at some point, let's hope that's a, that's a problem we have, right? Then we, yes. can, can, we can spend a whole episode or five, or, or five seconds talking about it. <laughs> hey, I just want to <laughs> go. Thank you for that shout out to your friend. Uh, I want to go on record though, just just because we were talking schedule and we were talking all the teams and games, and I just want to point out once again that even even though we've lost Dwight Howard, for some reason the Lakers are still set to have more nationally televised games than the, than the Heat next season. People love watching a car crash. <laughs> <laughs> have you have you never seen uh, Faces of Death? I mean, you know. It's... <laughs> course you got more we should we should we should mention that kobe bryant said he has shattered the recovery timetable since we've last recorded a podcast oh yeah he listen did you doubt him i mean he's no if he comes trotting out there uh by thanksgiving night i will not be stunned i know his timetable is supposed to be for january i fully expect him to beat whatever this the timetable is for his return. That's this Kobe we're talking about. Right? Yeah, I'm, look, it's exciting, but at the same time, you know, concerning. It's concerning. I I, I mentioned that Dwight Howard should come back in December last year uh, instead of right out of the gates. It took Kobe's time schedule is going to be his own time schedule, but I just would like him to to make sure he he slowly ramps up to a level of intensity that an NBA game brings versus the off-season workouts. Mm. Uh, but look, man, he's a different animal. Uh, he'll, he'll figure it out. And I just want to, I just want him to, you know, have a full season, but also a couple more after. And I just know if he comes back too quick, tears that tendon again, that that, that might be it. This, I don't think Kobe has gears, does he? He can't. He can't slowly ramp up. He goes from like first to sixth, I think. I don't think he has a second, third, and fourth. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> but that's what you need when you get when you start getting into your third, late thirties, mid thirties. You 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 have to. You got to right. stretch. You you, know, you got to start doing the things that you never thought you'd have to. And I, I played with a young Kobe who said, you know, he at this age he'd be jumping higher than he was in his twenties and. He wouldn't be stretching like us old guys were stretching when we <laughs> played with him. But, you know, I'm sure he's taken all of those measures uh, and uh, will definitely have himself as prepared as he can. But, uh, you know, look, does it surprise any of us that he sh- he's shattering the return record for Achilles? No, nah, not at all. That's right. what he does, man. It's, it's, it's what Kobe does. Well, guys, we Rick, we appreciate you showing up for work this week. I mean, no, you know, I mean, if we, Everybody oh. takes a day off on their birthday. I mean, Langston goes to <laughs> and gets a free Grand Slam every year on his birthday. But yes, yes. For, for you to show up like this after being out, man, we got love for that. That's, that's... I appreciate that. It's usually, I usually take a month month off. <laughs> <laughs> but I came back well, early because I missed you guys. 
Appreciate that. We're not gonna let no more months off anybody this summer. We gotta we gotta keep it rolling it right into the regular season here. We yeah. got we got like eighty days before the season know. tips off, so we got a little time. We got a few weeks here to isn't get busy. There, uh, isn't there another birthday we're glossing over tomorrow? Another member of the Hang Time Podcast. Eh? Oh, eh? don't 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 waste people's time with this dude's birthday. <laughs> he probably changed his from his real birthday. You know, to, to whatever tomorrow is because it's got something to do with Peyton Manning. <laughs> well, Obama oh. just had a birthday. Obama just had his birthday a couple of days ago. He decided to celebrate by coming here to L.A. and jacking up our traffic. Went to the, <laughs> night, went to the night show and then blew off Putin. Glad don't, Putin. <laughs> don't get the Secret Service on our tail. We got enough problems around hey, here. Hey, oh, I know what I forgot to tell you guys. So I, I don't know how I forgot to tell you guys since we're name dropping. I'll name drop out on a, real, on a high note. So I went to I went to Tony Bennett's 87th birthday. Of course, you uh, did. Uh, um, the other night and celebrated and and was on stage as he was singing, uh, and I was sitting next to my buddy Sidney Portier. And oh my goodness! And, my and, and, and this and and then guess who comes in and sits down next to my girl and I, right next to us. Uh, hold on, let me guess. It's, it, we're talking about this level of uh, name dropping, so yeah. uh, the Pope. I don't know. That's... <laughs> I was thinking, I don't, uh, <laughs> Winston Churchill. I don't know. Uh, some uh, a political figure, definitely uh, the highest ranking female political figure ever in the history of uh, of American politics. Madeleine Albright, Nancy Pelosi. Wow, Speaker of the House comes and sits down. I'm thinking to myself, Wow, this lady looks familiar. <laughs> and, and and I was like, that's Nancy Pelosi. Uh, and then I looked over my shoulder, and I and I and and John Travolta was sitting right to the right. This dude is named. This so this is, uh, and and so I saw podcast of all and, time. So and then I, I get and I get accused of name dropping. So then I proceeded to. <laughs> so then I proceeded after Tony Bennett got done singing, uh, and which was amazing. We raised some we raised one hundred fifty thousand dollars for his charity at this event, awesome. right? Uh, now I'm name dropping dollar signs, and That's then awesome. uh, I took a photo with. Um, it was for exploring the arts, which is you know uh, equipment for art students, uh, musical and and creative arts. Uh, then I took a picture with Vince Vaughn and Will Arnett, uh, along with the hosts Ted Sarandis, the head of Netflix uh, uh, original programming, and his wife, the former ambassador to Bahamas, Nicole Levon. So. Shall I keep going? No, <laughs> Mr. Just... Mr. Mr. Victor Ola Hula. Who yeah. that? <laughs> I'm no, over here talking you... about Trey Burke, and he's talking about Sidney Poitier. And yeah, <laughs> I think you've name dropped sufficiently for at least the next 13 months. So I'm, uh... bring, I'm bringing all of these guys to celebrate Jarrell's birthday. Excellent. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, he needs it. He needs it. Thank list. you. But your he birthday. Needs... So, but you know, Tony Bennett. That's a pretty. Pretty impressive, uh, uh, man. Man, at eighty-seven years old, he's still doing it, man. Yeah. Yeah. It is impressive. I was just blessed to be there. I know I threw those names out like, like they were my closest friends, but only half of them were, and I was really pleased <laughs> <laughs> pleased to be there. Oh, you are. Hey, we we miss you around here when you're not around to name drop like this. We gotta. <laughs> Next time you're gonna be absent, just call us and, and leave us a voicemail and name drop about eight names for us. We'll be. Good. All right, I'll, I'll do that. <laughs> We got to give a shout out to Chris Carino from WFAN, the fan uh, joining us, the radio, radio announcer for the Brooklyn Nets. We talked plenty of Nets here on the Hangtime Podcast today. And uh, happy birthday to Jay Wall. 
Happy birthday to Rick. Happy birthday to all the folks that have been name dropped on the show today. (laughs) We will see you right here again next week on the Hang Time Podcast. Later. Thanks for listening to the Hang Time Podcast. To download more episodes of the show, visit the iTunes Music Store. And be sure to check out the Hang Time blog on NBA.com. And as always, say kuna matata.